0: Welcome to episode 19 of Drago Radio. Uh, We've got Pro Tour coverage, some new foils and promos, and we'll talk about our PTQ experience from the last, uh, from this past weekend. So, it's uh, actually a lot more than it seems when you go over the outline. So we'll jump right into it. Uh, uh, Pro Tour San Diego. I was this past weekend and. Kind of gave us a look at at the new standard officially because the pros got their hands on it and big, uh, congratulations to Simon Gortzen who took down Pro Tour San Diego and he won it with Jund.
1: Boo.
0: <laughs> and the, and the
1: boo has nothing to do with the fact that he's German. <laughs> it has everything to do with the fact that he was playing Jund. Clarify that.
0: So the biggest news out of Pro Tour San Diego was um, the history that was made over the course of the tournament by Luis Scott Vargas who started out the tournament by 16-0ing the Swiss. So like he just started winning and never stopped. Uh, until he reached the semifinals which where he played Gortzen and then uh, and he lost to Jund in four games. So uh, so that you know this video he was 17 and 0, 17 1 on the day or on the weekend. Three day event, so, um, you know that was kind of the big. Thing. Everybody was, you know, well, can he can he just close it out? Can he just win all of them? And you know he didn't, but you know that's probably a story better for him to tell than than us.
2: I wonder what his rating is now.
0: Probably astronomical. Three three thousand. <laughs>
2: well, he was what twenty one twenty one something going into the tournament.
0: Uh yeah like, almost twenty two. So I think those update they'll update on Wednesday. Yes. So, which is good because we have to find out how how terrible I look now. <laughs> Some other, ah. other big news was uh, Craig
2: Wesco uh, going undefeated day one in standard, mm-hmm. and then uh, get up there to uh, top four.
0: Yeah, Craig Wesco, a. Oh, a former local player. He's moved on to uh, to Ohio wow. now. So, but he's uh, been on the tour quite a bit, and um, you know, so just a just a local player, you know, top fouring a pro tour. So,
2: yeah, that that's pretty awesome, and big congrats to him for doing so. That that's a pretty huge accomplishment, and also doing it with uh, pretty much a rogue deck, uh, a white weighty build that was pretty much like a. No other white, white weaning we've seen yet. You know, it was completely different than traditional, uh, you know, bunch of little guys and Honor of the Pures. It was, in fact, kind of, it morphed into a mid-range deck with uh, Wrath of Gods, and uh, and he played uh, the colorless artifact, or the colorless manland. Was it? A- Dread Statuary. Dread Statuary. He played that. Uh, so, and four Elspeths. And four
0: yeah, I mean, I think it's clear. Are we like in agreement that that's one of the two breakout decks of the tournament? Mm-hmm. Right, and it's and it's quite good. I think it put all but one person into day two of the Pro Tour. Everybody who played that deck, you know, uh, save Gerard Fabiano, made day two of you know of Pro Tour San Diego. So, uh, so the deck, you know, like granted, Wesco's build was a lot different than. Some of the other builds, because he was playing, uh, four Stoneforge Mystics, and four uh, Elspeths, as well. And a lot of the other decks were um, reminiscent of the sixteen land build from Worlds, that they had up like they had up their count to four, for, uh, four more lands. So they were playing Tectonic Edge, <coughs> and Nymiria Angel. West Coast list wasn't playing a Mirror Angel; it was just playing four Elspeths as its flyers. So, uh, the other decks in your top eight, first and second, both Jund, of course. Uh, we had the uh, the new Naya deck, which we'll we'll cover in a minute. That was piloted by LSV, uh, White Weenie, that we just talked about, and then there was another Jund deck, uh, Red Deck wins, and Open the Vaults combo, and. Uh Junk, Mana Ramp, Green, Black, White, Nightfall, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Lotus Cobra, Night of the Reliquary, Bane Slayer. You know, that deck. Money. Yeah. yeah. A lot of money, dot deck. Uh, so, pretty... I don't know. It's a pretty diverse top eight, really. I mean, the three Jund decks, uh, clearly, but they were, you know, a quarter to a third of the field anyway, so... You know the numbers make sense. The you know the decks that are missing vampires and like Eldrazi Green and Boros, the other two, you know heavily played standard decks. There's no control deck in the top eight. Um, you know we had blue white control kind of broke out. Uh, the Pet Chapin brew uh, put put both Chapin and Gabe Nassif real close to the top eight, um, um, and then there was. Uh, the Mythic Bant deck that Zvi Mashuot built was another solid performer on the on the weekend. So a lot of good standard lists came out, and uh, you know, but that was that was your top eight. A lot of decks right there on the fringe. So the Naya deck, though, um, you know, of course it put LSV in the top eight. It put Tom Ross in ninth place, uh, just you know, right there and several other players in the money as well. I think the whole Channel Fireball group pretty much played that deck. Uh, and I think... You know, I built it the other day. It's really good. You know, it's four blood braids, four Ranger. It looks a lot like um, Nihilite Saber from Worlds, only it's not playing Baneslayer Angel. And it can win. <laughs> yeah, and, and the deck can win.
2: And it's not running Woolly Thoktar either.
0: Yeah, it's not running Woolly Thoktar. It's running... Um, Stoneforge Mystic, and...
2: Knight of the Reliquary.
0: Yeah, and Knight of the Reliquary, and it's... I guess the cards that replace with Willith Octave, though. Birds of Paradise, two Birds of Paradise, two Stoneforge Mystic. And then it's playing Basilisk Collar, the new equipment from Worldwake, and Behemoth Sledge as its Mystic targets. So, have you guys had a chance to play any games with it, or...?
2: Uh, I played probably, like, three hours of uh, games with that deck today.
0: You know, what do you, what do you think?
2: Uh, it is awesome. Knight of the Reliquary is actually, like... The problem with Reliquary... Because Reliquary wasn't run in Nihilite Saber. Because they were just p- choosing to play Woolly Thoktars. Because the problem was it had no really good targets. And uh, it, the only, like, neat thing it could get was a Gargoyle Castle. And now you can actually go get, you know, manlands lands. Uh, and you can go get the the new white land... Uh, Scissory Step. Yeah. That, uh pros one of your dudes, so that's a neat little combat trick you can do. You know, you can just use it to push a guy through, or you know, essentially, it's a it can counter a spell with it.
1: Turn your <coughs> out of the reliquary into a mother of runes.
2: So you've got the four uh, misty rainforest, the four arid mesas, which you have that way. It's consistent in terms of your fetch lands, and you you know you're pr- pretty much going to have whatever right fetch you need and two terramorphic so you got a total of like 10 fetches so your reliquaries are but they're gonna be huge when you play them like you on average 6 six sixes
0: yeah and I, I haven't played a reliquary that's been less than a five five when it when it's come out so unless you're on a really shady draw, you run it out on two with a noble hierarch or birds so
2: I try not to play it unless I've
0: unless it's gonna be at least a four
2: four that way it just doesn't not a lightning bolt whenever you cast it
0: yeah, and I feel the same way. I mean, because there there are other guys that you can play, you know, over that guy. I mean, you can bloodbraid on three, you know, in lieu of playing your knight of the reliquary, and that's real good. Or a ranger. Or you can ranger on three, you know, or just play out some some wild nacodles. So I mean, the deck is is pretty resilient as far as you know, uh, playing playing against removal because you've got, you know, the blood braids and you've got the Rangers, and then it, it packs its own removal because it's playing Bolt and it's playing O-Ring, um, and of course the Basil's Collar, and then out of the board, you bring in the Cunning cunning Spark Mage, and then you can just, you know, equip your, uh, your Basil's Collar to that guy and just machine gun guys out of the way.
2: <clears throat> That's probably also, like, you know, because they didn't care, like, at that point, like, if they have a, uh, Sprouting Theranix, because it's like you actually want them to have... Like, at that point, you don't care, because you, you can just machine gun the Sprouting Theranix, and then start untapping, and then start you know, shooting their duders down. Then again, like I should have a landfall, untap Cutting Spark Mage, like the blue one, the tapper one, but that'd be kind of disgusting with your reliquary. Then you can do some really sick stuff,
1: but...
0: Yeah, it's real good, but he has haste, because uh, you can just drop him down, and then collar equip immediately and then and, and deal with it and if they can't, you know, deal with him in a couple turns then he's he's already out of hand because there's not going to be anything in the way of your guys to get in. Right. So uh, I think that's a deck that, you know, people need to look for at their FMs and and going into the five K series and stuff, I think it's uh, I think it's really good and I think it's gonna see a lot of play. So I don't I don't know you know, the white weenie deck may see more red deck wins. They may put up more numbers, but I think the, the Naya deck will put up more results and maybe better results than Jund over time.
2: I think the Stoneforge, uh, the Stoneforge Mystic is just probably one of the best cards out of the set that's not, you know, traditionally obvious. You know, it's it's not a, you know, you look at Jason, my sculptor, and that card is... You know, oh, so good. You know, as, as a first look, but, you know, the Search for Miss, that card, I like, at the time, you can pick them up. They're like a buck. And now
0: they're, what, $7? Yeah. And that card jumped dramatically overnight. And that's, you know, that's why you got to watch. Like, if you see a card getting popular, you know, during a tournament, if it's getting a lot of press, you know, the same way with Basilisk Color, because it's up over, it's $6 now, too. So, um,. You know, so those two cards really like jumped in price over the weekend because they were being like being played in successful decks, and uh, you know, so I think that's important to keep in mind when you're looking at new sets. That way, it's, a lot of rares get undervalued initially.
2: Uh, I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, what's even better than a normal Stoneforge Mystic is a foil one.
1: You're right. And they <laughs> the look fantastic.
2: So really he see, he picked up he picked up a Foil Stoneforge Mystic, and then I picked up four, so that gives me five. So I just need one more, and I have three play sets. But um, yeah, because that card's not just good; like that card's good in White Weenie. It's it's good in obviously not, and it's it's good. I'd play it in Bant. like easily. I'd play it in Bant. as a you know as a two of,
0: right? And you know, and we saw the we saw Stoneforge Mystic, kind of break through the previous weekend in Oakland when Conley Woods was playing it in his top eight deck, and then this weekend while we were. BTQing it saw some play in um, you know in a and a couple Zudacks that we'll talk about le- a little bit later. But I mean, so the card is um, you know it's kind of crossing crossing formats. It's a multi format player, you know, like uh, like Jace or Knight of the Reliquary or, or or a card like that. So I mean, it has potential to go up even higher. And I think it saw some Legacy play on the weekend too in the side events as well. Uh, in the in the blue white fish deck that's been gaining popularity in Legacy.
2: We said that a few episodes ago that that would that's be important. the per- would be the perfect home for it.
0: Right. Yeah. And so I mean we've got all these, um, you know, Wizard has been doing a good job of that as of late, like printing cards that are seeing Im- are impacting multiple formats and not just standard. And I think, uh, you know, you look at a card like that that's seven dollars. You know, well if I can play it in every format because it's good in every format. Then it's going to hold its value long term. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, a Tarmogoyf, but I think it's it's going to it's going to stay around. I don't think the card's going to go back down anytime soon, even after it rotates out of standard. I think it'll still hold some value.
2: Oh, absolutely,
0: uh, I agree.
2: Um, so
0: the uh, the other, the, you know, the other news out of San Diego uh, comes comes via a blog. Um, a science a science blog that kind of got posted on Twitter this morning, and they held the uh, the A A A S convention at the at the same same place as as Pro Tour San Diego this past weekend, and one of one of the attendants there, I was talking about how much how much fun she had and, and whatnot at, at the convention, and then they get to. Uh, you know, she says she walks in, like, on Saturday or Sunday, and she sees a sign that says, Wizards Information Booth, and, and it made her laugh because she didn't know what it was, and then, you know, she, she makes the mistake of peeking in, and then she describes it as a grand wizarding tour, and, you know, so it was kind of neat, because you got kind of an outsider's perspective, because, you know, as Magic players, you know, we're all like, oh, what's going on at the Pro Tour, what are they playing, and blah, 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 and then, you know, for somebody outside of the game who doesn't know what it is, they're like, I... What is this kind of like are Harry they, are Potter? They, yeah, they're pretending to be wizards. This is <laughs>
2: <coughs> <coughs> I do like to cast spells <laughs> yeah, and summon monsters.
0: Yeah, and and you know, and all magicians do, but even the dark magician. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Chaos? Monster mark. It, soo- it I mean, it just sounds. It just sounds ridiculous if you look at it from from an outsider's perspective, and you don't really ever think of that. So thought that was neat enough to reference this week. Uh, Any other news that came out of San Diego
1: this week? What I think is funny is Kyle Boggaman the guy who got second place. I was looking at the top decks here. He won a PTQ for San Juan, like, last weekend. How bad do you think the guy that he lost to feels like? He's probably calling Wizards right now, asking if he can, like, rescind his victory, you know, or something. Because he's cute, obviously, now, so... I thought it was kind of actually hilarious.
0: Right, and, I mean, sometimes that happens. I mean, you get lucky, or you top 16 a Grand Prix, or... uh, or It's just generally more likely you don't normally, like, have to qualify for a pro tour, which I assume he had to qualify for, for San Diego as well, and, you know, and then ramp up in top two a pro tour when you were PTQing for the next one, and then just... Qualify. So. I would like, say it's really fun.
1: He's only twenty, so mm-hmm. like he's
0: yeah. And the top eight like was actually really unexperienced at San Diego. I mean, like of course you had LSV who has who has several, and then outside of that, I don't think there was anybody with more than fifty pro points lifetime, and nobody with a pro tour top eight. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, it wasn't full of level eights. So.
2: No, but like there are people there with like forty something pro points. I know Wesco has quite a few pro points,
0: right? Yeah, Wesco has like 44. 40, I yeah, I think I think forty-four is the number. And then uh, Gordon, I think, had fifty or so before, you know, before this past weekend. So twenty-five more, <laughs> right? And you know, so I, I you know, it's it's neat because it looks like, you know, yeah, you have the pros that everybody knows their names, and then. There are other guys on the tour who can still play as well. So, you know, I thought it was, you know, it's nice to see, you know, somebody different. And it always seems like somebody different wins a pro tour anyway, but there are people who have been established. And it seems like these kind of guys who've been on the tour but may not necessarily be, you know, gravy-trained pros, you know, stepping up and and winning. Right.
1: You know in five pro tours, five different nations have had the trophy?
0: Really? Do you know those Five Nations?
1: Uh, we have Germany with Simon Gortzen. France was, uh, Gabriel Nassif back in Five Color. Um, no, I don't. I just remember those (laughs) two. Those are the two that I remember. The most recent one and then Nassif. But, trying to find, I I can't, um, didn't Saito or somebody win one recently? I know it went to Japan. It was probably Yuya. Yuya Watanabe? Yeah. Yeah, um. I can look it up real fast. I am sure, but but that is, I was. They were talking about it during the top eight coverage or during the finals coverage. That because you know Bogomis is from the United States, so it was the first time in four pro tours that a US, United States could have possibly taken the trophy, and Gortzen took it, which takes it to the fifth different country in five pro tours.
2: Hmm. We got to see uh, the return of Zimochwitz over the weekend. Yeah, he he
1: won that side event. That yeah, side,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't he didn't day two. Uh, at like in the main event, but yeah, he took you know his his day two break to win a Kindle and standard with the same Bant list that he was playing you know in the in the main event. So he's got a lot of pros and you know, did really well for themselves in the side events. Because you know Zvi won a Kindle, Conley Woods won an Xbox in a sealed event. Um, Brian Kibler uh, finished second in a Legacy side event, I believe. And well one guy and the guy who won I think was a pro and that in that same side of it one guy won a legacy tournament and got a set of duels that was awesome yeah that was jealous of that guy yeah I think that was that was the guy I'm talking about I don't remember his name though and I kind of feel terrible for that but that's okay hmm. uh, also out of San Diego this weekend they uh, unveiled at least one new judge foil and um, it's it's' We didn't get new art on it, but they at least used the good art from its two printings. They used the art from Visions, so it's a card that's never been foiled before. Tyler, what is it? Natural Order. What does, uh, or maybe people who aren't familiar with Legacy or haven't been playing, you know, that haven't seen any cards from Visions or Portal, what, what does Natural Order do?
1: Uh, for two and two green, as uh, an additional cost to play, you have to sacrifice a green creature. Um, search your library for a green creature and put him straight to play. Him or her.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, and we've seen legacy decks using, um, using Natural Order to go find Progenitus, uh, as early as turn three, you know, and, uh, so it's really cool, you know, like, you know, legacy vintage players have a, have a bad habit of wanting to foil everything they can possibly get, so... You know, obviously, this Judge Foil is probably going to have a hefty price tag at least initially, and um, but it looks really good. I mean, like I said, they used the visions art, the art with the panther on it, and um, so they didn't commission new art for it, which is kind of disappointing. But you know, the art still looks really good. It's got a jaguar. <laughs> so, is it a jaguar? Okay, it looks like a jaguar. Well, panthers are black. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's right. Is he is he spot? I haven't looked at that card in a long time. If,
2: if he's spotted and he's kind of like a medium-sized built cat, it's a jaguar because jaguars are the second largest uh, cat, second well the third largest big cat. I take that back. Mm. Science fact for the day.
0: <laughs> Somebody read up on their zoo books before the show. Well,
2: you know, everybody like everybody thinks that lions are the the biggest cats in, in the world, and they're actually not. It's actually a tiger, then a lion, and then a jaguar. And all the other cats in the world are irrelevant at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, th- I figured it's appropriate. We're talking about wild Coddles and you know, and lone lions and all that kind of.
0: And welcome to Cat Chat episode nineteen.
2: <laughs> we call it the Cat Prowl. <laughs> <laughs> That—that's Tyler's quarter. The Prowl.
0: That's <laughs> 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 I've a new segment this week called the Prowl. Uh so uh one of the like you know the, so we have the judge foil and then the guys from Robot Chicken the the uh, adult swim show were also on hand in San Diego and they um they were in the you know the the champion challenge or you know the the gunslinging area playing the new Frexia versus Coalition decks, and so of course we got those deck lists um, they were put out on the Mothership last night, but they were spoiled, uh, like, the day before on, on Mana Nation, so we're going to kind of give them... We'll let them have that credit for that one. We don't want to take that away from anybody. And we're not going to go over the whole deck list, but... Um, you know, the Frexian deck is is mono-black, uh, of course, and you've got... And if it did, you know, officially, officially confirm Frexian Negator as you know as a reprint. And you've also got cards like um, Phyrexian Colossus and Voltaic Key, which uh, Voltaic Key actually gets new art and and from the vaults. And Phyrexian Processor also getting new art. So you've got on on that side you've got negator, Voltaic Key, and Phyrexian Processor all with all with new art. And then you know it's it's pretty well Phyrexian themed. I don't know if you guys took a look at the you just take a look at those lists, and, uh, you know, you get Phyrexian Vault, and you get Phyrexian Ghoul, which is, uh, Nintuco Shade, or Nintuco Vampire, go Husk. Husk, or Vampire Aristocrat, I wish we could get Nantuko Shade. Um, yeah, so, uh, pretty well themed, and then you go over to the Coalition side, and of course that deck's five color, um, and it's playing a pile of, like... They give you a pile of basic lands and, like, an Elfheim Sanctuary and a Shivan Oasis. Elfheim Sanctuary? What's that? That's the green-white tap land. Elfheim Palace? Elfheim Palace. Sorry. Uh, I'm all over these wrong card names tonight. <laughs> Watch me go. Elfheim
2: Sanctuary? <laughs> yeah. What does it do?
0: That's the... Elfheim Sanctuary is a card, though. That's the one that you, like, pay one and skip your draw step and search for land and and put it to your hand, I think. It's like a more targeted abundance. Um, Yeah, so out of the Coalition deck, you get Ursus Rage, Armadillo Cloak, uh, Yavamaya Elder, all with new artwork. And you get uh, Rith's in the deck, and Treva's in the deck. Uh, I think you get a Gerard Capation, uh, and a Coalition Relic. And you get a pile of uh, really good cards. Uh, it's just, just the mana base is just so wonky on it. I just don't see the deck being being as good as the streamlined Phyrexia deck.
2: Did you say Rith? As Rith of the Awakener. Yeah, Rith of the Awakener. Oh, so Brian Kibler's going to buy all he can up of this. guy. Right,
0: him. is you an Armadillo Cloak or Rith?
1: Double Armadillo Cloak Rith. Uh, I was conveniently looking up Brian <laughs> Kibler on my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so does the, uh...
2: For deck deck, any chance come with a uh, like a uh, angel of despair, <laughs> or
1: Ryan Kiblers, and a white tie.
0: <laughs> no, I'm waiting for from the vault, from the vaults Kibler.
1: Uh, <laughs> I thought they little. did that dragons. <laughs> it does, it does a white it's a white suit. Yeah, they just cards <laughs> coming like, out of
0: sleeves and everything. The, the packaging makes itself at that point, right? <laughs> right. So. Um, so yeah, a whole lot of news came out of San Diego, and it wasn't just Magic news. Well, it wasn't just Magic playing related. Um, so, you know, a pretty big, a pretty big weekend on the pro side, and a pretty big weekend for us as well, right? So, uh, we'll cover that right after we get back. Hey Tony, do you like gaming? I love gaming. Do you like music? I like music. Do you like
1: anime and manga? I love both of those. I love anime and manga. Oh,
0: well, you should try out Black Flower Music Podcast. It's like a vibrator for the clitoris in your ear. It makes you scream. so welcome back to episode 19. Uh, we kind of left you as a teaser, and, you know, we purposely left the back end of the show a uh, little open-ended so we could kind of talk about our weekend. Um, the ups and the downs of, of PTQing in Nashville this past Saturday. And uh, sadly, none of us queued, but of course, some of us did better than others. So I guess we'll just start with uh, we'll start with Eric who had his first taste of extended PTQ life Saturday. Eric, what do you, how did it go?
2: Terrible. Uh, actually, uh, I decided to play a rogue deck, a uh, blue-white control deck that was uh, playing Thopter combo, as uh, one of its one of its win conditions. Uh, just essentially, I wanted to play a pile of uh, good blue cards like Jason Mine Sculptors, Mana Leaks, Cryptic Commands, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff, and uh, Spell Snares. And uh, round one, I played against uh, Zoo against. Um, the uh, the Mystic Zoo deck running uh, Sunforge Mystic. And, uh, game one, you know, it was a pr- pretty solid match overall. I'm not going to go into, the, like, the detail parts of it, but, uh, he got me 2-1 on that one. All I'm going to say is game three came down to a Mulligan to 5 on my, on my end. And, uh, was kind of disappointed because uh, Zoo seems to be a fairly more favorable matchup with me running, uh, piles and piles of Wrath of God's effects and Path to Exiles and, uh, things of that nature. And then, uh, round two, I played against, uh, Elves, and, uh, that went to three games as well, and, uh, I got the Elf player to pretty much, like, overcommit the entire board, you know, in hopes of trying to draw into a a Day of Judgment Wrath of God effect, and, uh, I didn't quite get there. Uh, so at that point I was O2. I, I was a little di- I was you know disheartened because uh, you know I felt my deck was actually really strong and you know I didn't lose to any of those games like O2 or anything like that. My only true losses to those were because of kind of poor draws because the deck is nothing but a pile of removal and draw power encounters. So it's pretty awkward not to see you know wrath, day of judgment, that kind of thing, especially when you triple thirst for knowledge and uh, Jason Mind sculptor a few times. So, I, at that point, I decided to go ahead and stick it out and uh, play all my rounds because even at the uh, very, very best, I could still top 32 and prize out and, and, and get close to top 80. So, I went on a four match winning streak at that point and actually beating uh, decks that I figured were, were terrible for me. Like, I beat uh, Hypergenesis uh, very soundly. Uh, I beat, um, you know, next I played against Depths, which I figured, like, it was the black-green Depths, so I figured that was actually kind of a a good matchup for me, just because, uh, a lot of his cards costed two, like, you know, his, his deck was really susceptible to, uh, Spell Snare, and I, you know, I, I pretty, I beat him fairly soundly, and, uh, then the next round I played against, uh, Blood Zoo, which I happened to beat that 2-0 in, uh, the game one, I played against him at Mulligan to five, and I thought I was the first thing I went was oh, oh no, you know, here we go again. But uh actually happened just to ride it out and uh, made him overcommit and made him feel very secure. Let him play out his uh, his Jite and uh, cast a Wrath of God Day of Judgment, that kind of stuff on him. And uh, next round, I played against the red white deck, the Boros deck, and uh, I beat that deck 2 0. Uh, game one was probably the best match i played the best game i played all day because you know it started off with uh you know me disrupting his tempo early and then uh him just literally he burned the hell out of me like four through six and uh later in the game i'm at one life i don't have the thopter combo i have thopter foundry and uh all he has is a gop at this point and he's out of search targets so I'm, I'm fearing like he's just going to draw into a, a burn spell and just kill me. Cause I didn't have a counter spell at the time. So what I had to do is I had to transmute my Teleria West to go get my second artifact land, which was an ancient den, play my ancient den, then cast my crucible worlds and my thopter foundry and started sacking my artifact lands to gain life and crucible them back to build up dudes to block. And uh, eventually I just finally started gaining the advantage and, uh, Wound up getting to my Thopter combo and you know obviously I had like 13 mana at that point so there was really nothing he could do and then the next game uh, I subworded into Kitchen Finks and uh, Chalices and uh, uh, Pulse of the Fields and I actually opened up with two Chalices a Pulse of the Fields and a Kitchen Finks and the rest were lands and I felt I kind of like cheated in that game but I wound up uh soundly securing that you know a chalice at 2 and a chalice at 1 the only reason I played a chalice at two first is so he could smash the smithereens and then I cast the chalice at 1 so but uh it was it was uh no I take that back no that's not how it happened because uh, I chaliced at 1 because I could draw a 4th land that's right and uh he smashed the smithereens he drew 1 of and then I chaliced to 1 again because I couldn't draw into my 4th land that's that's right that's what I wanted it to do, and then I, you know, realized I couldn't really do that, um, so.
0: Yeah, so Chalice at 1's a pretty solid play against that deck.
2: I yeah, it, it so. actually shuts that deck down for the most part, you know, like, I mean, th- they do sideboard smash to Smithereens, raids, which is, you know, obviously pr- pretty fair. Um, with
0: new, you know, you've got, you were running a pile of counters to, to deal with the smash anyway, so.
2: It just, yeah, so, it just stinks because when you, when you Chalice at 1, you, you cut out three of your counters that you need to. That you use to counter the smash to the range, which is a spell snare, but you know I'd rather not be able to cast my spell snare than taking lightning bolts and, and you know shard valleys to the head all day. So, uh, which is funny because in the, the game he had three shard valleys in his hand. So, but uh, next round I played against uh, Law, who was uh, playing dredge, and uh, he w- he was an awesome opponent. Like he was, I mean the guy I played the round before. Uh, I played his buddy at the Nashville 5K in the last round. He was playing the Odrazi Green Deck, and that's how he remembered me because we sat down at the table. He goes, hey, I remember you from the Nashville 5K. And I, the first thing I thought, I was and like, man, probably some disgruntled player that I killed on, like, turn four. <laughs> and uh, he goes, well, you're playing against my buddy who's playing the Odrazi Green Deck. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember so-and-so. And uh, we, were, we were, like, that match was so lighthearted. It was fun. We joked around, and, you know, that, that it was it was a really good Really good experience, and uh, he he was a great guy. And the next round, I play against Law, who's playing uh you know Dredge, and uh, yeah, man, I was I was sweating bullets because I didn't because I sat beside him uh, round one and uh, watched him play Dredge, and you know he he played it perfectly. So I was like, so I am gonna have to like hope he kind of draws subpar and uh, you know and try to squeak out a victory. And uh, the first game was just the way I played my counters, I disrupted. Quite a bit of his stuff, and you know, and um, he just wanted to just smash me with three Golgari Grave Trolls after I triple cryptic command him, just trying to buy some time and draw into uh, a Guide because Day Judge would have been fruitless at that point because all the Trolls can regenerate. Didn't see it. Game three, um, I wound up uh, getting uh, double uh, Mentally Mages out, and uh, I actually just rode my mel- Mentally Mages pretty much all the way home. And uh, did a how to do a, thopter, a weird Thopter combo play at the end just to play it and gain some life because I knew he had Ancient Grudge. So uh, and then we went to game three and it went to time and we drew. And uh, so my record as of that point was 4 2 and 1. And then next round I play against uh, another gentleman and uh, he's playing uh, Pat Chapman's, uh, you know, the. I don't know how to describe this deck. This deck feels like it does like 8,000 things. It's running the Burnwell's combo. It's running Thopter Foundry. It's running Crucible. It's running Mystical Teachings. It's running Gifts Ungiven. You know, I just kind of felt like that deck tried to do a little too much. But it happened to be a decent matchup against me because my deck was a little bit slower. And uh, I didn't see him my win conditions. So uh, he got game one. And game two, I was pretty much getting got him to five and then we went to time and you know could finish it off to at least pull another draw so overall out of eight rounds i went four three one and uh you know i felt like if those first two matches might have went a little bit better my way i could have probably pushed to an x2 that that day maybe even an x x1 but uh I think, you know, I felt pretty good for my first for my first extended PTQ because I don't really play extended much. I did in the past, but extended was also a lot different years ago. And um, it's it, it I don't know, it it just feels like, you know, your deck might be really good against certain matchups and then other ones you can kind of get blown out. You know, I didn't expect to play against the the, the gift deck because I honestly didn't think it was really that good because it honestly looked it's, and I know some people think it's good, and my my personal opinion, I don't I don't like that deck, and I just think it tries to do too much, and it gets a really decent zoo deck, it would just lose because it doesn't really run much removal, you know, because Burnwills combo doesn't really do anything against zoo, and at that fact, he didn't get the Burnwills combo move because I just ghost quartered all his you know is away, so. Uh, I thought honestly that deck was kind of poor, and he must have had some pretty pretty solid matchups that day because I played against a really against a really diverse field. I never played the same deck twice, except for Zoo, and the Zoo decks were different uh, structurally, just the way they were built. Um, so, you know, overall it was a pretty good experience. I, I was I was glad with my decision of just sticking it out and trying to play those rounds out. So it was it was well worth
0: it. Yeah. So. Um. So yeah. So you're probably real excited when the uh, when the format shifts again to standard, and or do you like want to keep playing extended?
2: Uh, I want to keep playing extended because I honestly felt like that my uh, blue white deck could have been uh, a lot better than it was after I built it because I built it and did no playtesting with it.
0: Yeah, we actually brewed that deck. What the Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday? You know. Yeah. Before before the PTQ. Yeah. It was, you know, because I, I looked, you know, you handed me the list, and I was like, oh, this looks really good. And, uh, you know, and obviously there were probably some changes, and I'm sure you saw those, like, when, when you were...
2: Yeah, I, I need to just draw Wrath of <coughs> God. That, that's, that's honestly, like, the main thing. I need to sideboard another Wrath of God in a Day of Judgment so I can go to three Wraths two days and consume. Because apparently no matter how many Thirst for Knowledge is and compulsive researches you cast, you just
1: don't see them. So what you're, what well. you're failing to understand is <clears> there's <throat> nothing wrong with your deck. It's just zoo. It's just what it does. It, it just solves three of the same. Cards. It just has some mojo that it puts on your deck and theirs. <gasps> you just can't beat it, <sighs> right? They uh, won.
0: Uh, we should probably and we'll, we'll try to get that list um, for you guys uh, in the forums if you don't care for you know share, sharing that list. Uh, oh, and abs- not necessarily changes, and then kind of letting people sound off on it as well. And we'll try to get that up later this week. Yeah, because.
2: I honestly feel it was a very solid list. My sideboard choices were really well, and I I built my sideboard to pretty much have a pretty solid game against um, most of the metagame. But on a quick note, uh, I just realized the cards that won me most of my games were Kitchen Finks, Chalice of the Void, and Meddling Mage. And uh, I'm just going to give you... That's a teaser of my updated list, so wait to see that one come out, we'll post that on the forums and uh Tyler and I were soon as soon as we got back that night, we actually sat down on the table and just brewed up this new blue white list and it it's hot. Like it's good.
1: Has some cute synergies with the new cards.
2: Yeah. You'll probably you'll probably see Stoneforge Mystic and doctor Foundry, you know, playing together like you've never seen it before, so
0: So and Tyler like what did, like, you, what, you ended up playing Depths, right? Is that yeah, I took like you initially I took, went with?
1: I took the year checklist and changed it a little bit, because I noticed that they switched out from the End of the Royals and uh, the Besieges, and they put in just Repeal, but I was, you know, concerned about the increasing popularity of Dredge, so I put End of the Royal back in the deck over a Repeal, that way, because you can muddle for it, that way you're not dead to a, an Iona Black, because... Right. Good luck repealing that yeah, card. Yeah, because really, what are you going to do? Yeah. And, and I noticed that because uh, in my fifth round, I played against Dredge, and he had a black, and I had the, and I muddled for my end of the Royal and bounced it to his hand. So, I mean, it, it, I noticed the change was re- actually relevant against him. Um, on the day, like, uh, either the deck just can't beat Zoo, or my draws might have just not been the optimal, and I don't understand the matchup as well as I thought. But I went 5-3, uh, and three and I dropped all three matches to Fat Zoo. So, um I played Mono White Hate round one. I, I promptly dismissed that one with uh a muddle and a, a twenty twenty both games. Um I played Blue White Flopter control round two and um I boarded into some hate ley line and he, he had no answers for it, so um I played Mystic Zoo. uh it was actually Josh Cope who top aided. Um I played him round three. Uh game one was a pretty long drawn out game. Uh game two He lands a Knight of the Reliquary on three and plays a Counterspell on every turn for the rest of the game. He plays seven more Counterspells. Uh, He plays three Bancharms and four Negates through the course of the game. So I I did not foresee myself winning that one. Um, So I I dropped that one. Uh, Round four, I play a guy. He's playing Fast Zoo. um, And uh, I get game one. Game two... Like there's a lot of mulligan going on in this round. Game two, um, he gets it. Game three, um, he mulls to five, and I open and I'm on the play. And I open up with um, an Urborg, a Mox, a Bob, and two Thought Seizes, which are the relevant cards. So he's mull to five, and I'm on the play. I go Urborg, Thought Seize, play my Mox and print a Bob. Thought sees him again, get rid of two threats. He's left with two lands and a threat, and neither of his lands will play what I leave him with. And um, I draw. Multiple dark depths and, and chrome oxes for the rest of the game, and he continues to draw like ah draws like triple nacodle and double loam line, and proceeds to just you know beat me back down. To it. it was it was a very very sobering moment when that happened. Um, but round you know the next round I, I played dredge, and that match just seems unwinnable for them. If if you if you do anything relevant through the course of the match, round six I played against a uh, blue white lark which is the the guy that beat one of our compatriots round one.
2: Whoa! Exactly. <laughs> the guy running off.
1: 21 basic lands. <laughs> He's playing like three non-basics, but... You know, that game, just... I do don't—I thought seized every game, and he really couldn't recover from it, it seems. so. Um, the next round was my most interesting match of the day by far. Um, I played a Breach Hulk deck. Which I got the guy's list after the round because I was just I was blown away by by what he was doing to people. He was actually through the breaching a, a Hulk, just like they did in Bubble Hulk three years ago. But rather than getting a, a Revel and either a Bile Urchin or a, a Monk Fanatic with a Body Double and a Carrion Feeder, which isn't in the format anymore, he would go get multiple Hedron Crabs, a Socker Tribe Elder, and multiple Dryad Arbors, and mill his opponent for up to sixty on turn one, if possible. So, I got that one though because you know he breaches a Hulk in, and I end the Royal it back to his hand. Again, into the Royal is probably a, a necessary spell for a Dark Depths deck to play. Um, game two, I board out all my Fawtr combo spells and just put in a couple, like three ley lines and my two Frex in arena so I can hope to draw to my twenty twenty faster, and I'd make a twenty twenty before he can make sixty cards of my deck go away. And then uh, getting to the last round, I'm X and 2, playing for, like, 10th place or whatever. And I play one-drop Zoo again, and same thing as usual. That just rolls over. So, I, I don't know what it is about that matchup. It just, like, the deck, because you're checking them, that, that whole team, they built the deck. They changed it to be better against Zoo. They put in the repeals because, you know, team's not present anymore, so repeal is just a faster faster answer that's going to draw a card. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I cast zero repeals all day, which was an interesting, just a little thing that I noticed because that card was an addition to be good and it never got cast. But they put those in. They put an, an extra removal spell in the deck. It just, it just seems like the deck is more tuned to beat Zoo, and it just can't. like, Because all the pros say that you want to make a 20-20 against Zoo, but every Zoo list now is playing seven paths main board with the 4-3 split of that and Bancharm. So it seems like your best bet is to actually go for the Thopter combo as fast as possible. Because the the games that I got, I Thopter foundry and, and slowly came back rather than trying to, you know, go, go as deep as possible into a twenty twenty as fast and just get blown out by a path or Bancharm. Because statistically, they're going to have one. Like, 60% of the time, they'll have one every time. But um, it just... It just seems like I, I'm just going to say that I disagree with Jerry T and Adam Urchick and say that you want a Thopter combo against him in my in my experience because three matches, I win two games out of seven that we play, and the only way that I could beat him was with a Thopter boundary. So that's that's just my opinion.
0: Right. So would you would you play it again? Like, would you play the deck?
1: Uh, absolutely. Like if we went to Indianapolis uh, this weekend, would you play I- indiscriminately? I would I would absolutely shuffle that deck up. Um, I might make a couple of changes to the sideboard to just put more zoo zoo hate in. I, I also saw Threads of Disloyalty zero times, which that might be, but I, I don't think there was really a, a chance in the game where I had the option to to play a Threads. Like there wasn't a turn where I I felt like you know I, if I tap three men and play this Threads on a creature that I can you know it, it's going to make a difference because usually at that point they've got a Knight of the Reliquary and you you can't Threads a Knight and that's the card that you really want to you know get rid of so you probably want to smother that and the next turn you know you're you're four mana ideally so you want to you just want to be doing other stuff rather than casting a thread so i almost don't like threads in in the board maybe um but yeah i would absolutely play the the deck again if i could just change the board a little bit for more zoo hate right but
0: so well you guys you know at least had you know some wins under your belt and I you know I didn't play all of my rounds because I, I dropped after the second round because I was 0-2 and um, at that point I was playing real loose on the day and I you know we talked last in the last episode about you know I was going to play the Conley Woods bantlist list and I did and you know it was fine but I paired up against Hypergenesis round one and he just you know he he draws really well on me both games and like it was so good that game one he goes I don't even know what you're playing I don't know how to sideboard. And <clears throat> so game two, we go into game two, and I've got a hand with, like, two lands and uh, and another sworn cannonist. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm, I'm pretty good. And I just, I, I fetched the wrong land. So I just played Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and so so I, fe- I fetch for a breeding pool, and I've got a treetop village in play, and I can't play my cannonist. And... <laughs> and, you know, and he, well, here's the thing: he doesn't even cascade into his Hypergenesis game too. He just suspends it. And my draw was so bad that he just it just came off suspend, and he beat me. Like, wow, that's that's how bad my draw was that well, game. Who, who should
1: to give you a chance? So it's like you were playing against Zoo. Like Zoo. You just, you just drew so badly, you had no chance. Yeah, it was
0: it was just awful. They're yeah. like, all right, fine. You know, Hypergenesis is pretty much a bad matchup for me anyway. Even when I'm even if I play perfect. It's real hard for me to beat. I don't have a lot of you know cards dedicated to, you know, to the matchup. So we, we go into round two, and uh, and I get paired up against Dark Depths, which is one of my better matchups. And you know, game one, I just I, I just crush him. I'm like, I lead out with uh, you know, Temple Garden because I learned my lesson. Uh, Temple Garden into Noble Hierarch, and uh, you know, into like Turn Two Tarmogoyf, you know, and Spell Snare. And then, you know, turn three, I've got a Tarmogoyf and a Noble Hierarch, so I get him for a pile, and then, you know, so he, he deals with he deals with my Goyfs, I play two more Goyfs, so I draw all four goifs in the match, and, like, he doesn't stand a chance, and I just I just kill him before he can do anything. You know, like, he makes the token, and then I path it, and then he gets the Foundry, so I Bant Charm all of that away, and... You know, so, you know, that was like, well, I can't possibly lose, right? And then we go into game two, and he combos out real hard on me real fast with the, you know, with the tokens, and I don't see any of my sideboard cards, and so I just die. And then we go into game three, and we're running real short on time. We start game three with about five minutes left, and I'm I'm like, well, at this point, I probably can't kill him as fast as he can kill me, so I just have to make sure I don't die, you know, and I'll just, fine, I'll just play for the draw, whatever. And it gets to the point where he has a Thopter Foundry in play, but no sword and nothing to sack really. Uh, he's got a Hex Mage and a Dark Confidant and and the and the Dark and the Dark depth. So, you know, I look at my hand, I got five lands in play, I'm holding a Chrome Mox, and I've got a Crobax, and I've got an active Jace. So I'm like, Alright, cool. This is this is good. This is turn one at th- uh, you know, turn one of turns. So I'm like, cool, I'll brainstorm my Jace, uh, find my sixth land. You know, play my land, fetch them both, go to two, and run out my Krovax, which of course he doesn't have an answer for immediately. Like, he can't counter it. So it just flops into play and kills his guy. So he's like, well, I'll make a token with my Hex Mage. And I'm like, cool, you got a 1919. And so I I play my Chromebox, imprint a Samurai of the Pell Curtain, and go to Path, and he has the Muddle of the Mixture that I saw three turns ago when I Vidillion clicked him. So, and, and I look at my paper and I'm like, "Oh yeah, you did have that card, didn't you?" And, like, because I wrote it down and everything, and I just didn't reference my notes. And like, the whole situation could have been avoided if I had just like ran off the Chromox first, played my Krovax, and then bounced the token with the Jace, and then there was no possible way I could lose. Like, because I was, you know. I had to tap out for all that, but I was holding the Bant charm, so I was ready for his slaughter Foundry when he went to play the Sword of the Meek as well. So, I mean, I had answers for everything, and I just played terrible. So, you know, I made the decision. I was like, well, you know, I I, missed, I misfetched a land in round one. I completely blew this game that I had no business losing, you know, round two. So, I was like, well, my day's done. So, you know, I ended my tournament. I went to Chili's, had a few drinks, um, you know, with, with our friend Ryan, who also O2 dropped. Sorry, Ryan, didn't mean to call you out on the show. but
2: Mr.
1: Big it. Uh, PTQ.
0: <laughs> Mr. Nashville, if you will. Right, you know, and we'd put in, like, I'd put in a lot of work for the I event. Mean, we'd all put in a lot of work. And, you know, I was real disappointed to go O2, but whatever. I mean, there's still a couple, maybe three PTQs that we can hit before the season's over, so... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cue it one of those for sure, and I just need somebody to tell me the days at least two weeks in advance so I can <laughs> plan on this. Uh, yeah, well, I know for a fact that April 10th we're going to Louisville.
2: Now, question: You play the bat dank. Would you play it again? Absolutely not. Well, <laughs> what would you play in its place?
0: I, I don't know. Because I made so many play mistakes with the deck, and then it's, it's so unforgiving when you make a play mistake. And I guess if I played it more, if I done more, I didn't do a lot of play testing at all. Really, I mean, I'd play tested a lot of different things um, before. Like I was play testing Murfolk until you know the first to last week because it, it had a good matchup against everything I wanted except for Zoo and then, you know, the Boros deck came out, and, you know, more people started playing Zoo, and it just was just a terrible idea to play it at that point. So, I switched gears to the Bant list, and I don't I don't think I would play it again. Uh, I honestly don't think I'm good enough to play the list, so...
1: I just don't think that Bant's good enough in this format.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, it, like- and, and Bant does have a problem closing out games. It's Zoo matchup is terrible still. I mean, it's... You know, it's under 50%. Especially game one, so I just I don't see myself playing that like playing that list again. I have no idea what I would play, but you should play the hold gets crabs. Uh, just, I, just play breach Hulk. I you know I have all the stuff for breach Hulk, so <laughs> just roll it to the next PTQ. I, I did actually Hulk. did quite a bit of bubble
1: Hulk testing a few seasons back. So back when I played the right dose and did you play the bile urchin or the yeah buffnatic?
0: no I played the bile urchin good one I, I like my, I had a four bile urchin. I, the case. I didn't have a foil mark fanatic. <laughs> so, um the deck was fun. Yeah, and the deck's a lot of fun to play. So I don't I don't know what I would play. I may go I may play Hypergenesis. Um oh, that's good. Just so I can blame it on something else when I lose. You should Play Living In. <laughs> um if- if you play Hypergenesis,
2: uh, I think you should play uh, Mold Drifter over Thirst for Knowledge. I agree. Yeah, I, I think I know Saito You know, probably did more play testing than we ever will. But at the same time, I just believe that Mold Drifter is a is just a better card in the deck over Thirst for Knowledge. Huh. You know, it, it serves two purposes: it draws you the cards you need, and also you can just cascade off of it into into the guy in the play. You know, when you. Uh, when you hypergenesis, it gives you something else to do.
0: Yeah, and you know, and I was looking into hypergenesis before I settled on the bat list, and it would just came down to I, I just couldn't get the cards in time for the list. So, um, I don't know. I mean, the the Bant list was strong, and it's really if you're playing the Bant list and you're good with it, then it's it's really is. I mean, it's hard for you to lose, but it's at the same time it's it feels a lot like rock, and it's really hard for you to close out a tournament as well. So. Um, so, I mean, I, I think I don't think I would... I, I wouldn't recommend it. I would play it if you want a top 8, but I wouldn't play it if you want to win. I just don't think it has the tools. So, you know, just f- for what it's worth. Um, so, on the other hand, we do have the top 8 mm-hmm. from, from this past weekend. Uh, be the first people to, as well. Right, yeah, we're going to break this real early, so... Somebody want to want to go over these?
1: All right. So our top eight, running up the top eight, in eighth was the Boros deck. Um, in seventh place was Mystic Zoo. Sixth place we had a uh, Living End. Fifth place we had another Zoo deck. Fourth place we had uh, All in Red. Uh, third place was Living End. Second place was just the the Esper Teachings. And in first place was the Zoo deck playing Boom Bust, which we have coined the term Tarmageddon is the name of the deck.
0: Right, and that was finally by... Uh, Cody Dam. by Cody Dam. So congratulations to Cody heading off to San Juan. Sunny San Juan for some block, for some block action. But... Yeah,
1: overall it was a, a diverse top eight. I mean, the only deck that had multiple was Zoo and Living End, so...
0: Right. I mean, uh, the the most interesting. Thing, there's no dark depths in this. It was a bad day for dark depths. Yeah. I mean, there's <coughs> no dark depths in this in this top eight. Um, I think
1: the problem with that is there was nine fairy players there, and I think they all played depths early, and then zoo in the next round. Because when I sat down for my first round, I looked to my left and looked to my right and looked the table up, and it was fairies versus like depths everywhere I looked. And then next round, I sit down and look around, and it's just a bunch of depths players. And I look three tables backwards, and see a bunch of zoo versus fairies. Like the guy next to me was it was a zoo fair matchup, and the guy was you know the fairy player was just rubbing his brow the entire time, trying to figure out how he was going to pull this one out. So it just it was just one of those days for depths. It just didn't seem like it was going to happen. Also, I think I think thirty percent of the field. I think it's just you know just a statistic that I'm going to come up with off the top of my head. I think about that much of the field was just straight up zoo if not more like it was just it was everywhere.
0: Yeah, it did seem like there was a lot of zoo and I
1: saw a lot of elves as well, but I think a lot of what has to, what, what has to do with the deck choices around here is the availability of cards because a lot of people in this in this area are more standard players and the easiest deck to get into if you play standard is is, is living end or zoo because most of the cards are standard legal. You only have a few things like the only things you need for living end that aren't standard legal are five shock lands and uh, living in and, and living in fulminator mages. Like just stuff like that. Like cheap cards that you can pick up anywhere. And then for zoo like really all you need is four hundred dollars worth of Tarmogoyf and some fetch lands. Or some shocks and so both decks are relatively easy and
0: yeah, I just Right, and it was it's in this is our first chance to look at like kinda how um, you know Continued World Wake innovations trickle down to to a local level too with the uh, you know with the Mystic Zoo deck, which you know seems that's really good. Uh, it seems really neat. So I like to go get my giant or sort of or sort of fire Sword of fire, yeah. Sword of fire and ice. Yeah. yeah, I mean you got a lot of good plays that you know that you can make there.
1: So yeah, I stood down one of those in round three.
0: So you know, all in all, not a bad you know not a bad weekend. I mean, we had we played Magic. That's what that's what we like to do. So. I uh, kind of wish, you know, as a as a group, we had done more winning, and especially on a personal level, I wish I would have just. Pack? I got five packs. <laughs> I, I made it right inside the cut with
1: thirty first.
0: Uh, we do need to um, to toss a little uh, shout out to our friend Brad, who once again placed in the top sixteen of a PTQ. He hasn't quite got the top eight down yet. He but is very very consistent. at
1: Almost getting there. Yeah, losing
0: in like the next to last round, you know, to knock himself
1: out. But he, he tried to go the Hatcher route and just lose his first round and just try to scramble through the the mediocre rungs. That's all I like to do it. Yeah, because Tyler and I were both on the bubble for for a while to top sixteen. So you and know, until, and I was. We were both there until and the period, yeah. Period. And like, I, cause if <laughs> I just won my last one, I would've been there. Because round six, you
2: know, I was four two. And I was I was feeling really good, like you know, especially beating Hypergenesis. I was like, man, that shouldn't ever happen. <laughs> but when you draw a double Chalice and a melee Mage,
1: I just felt really good because I assumed at X two I wouldn't run into much Zoo. I yep. figured they would have either just been so bad at with with Zoo that they would have just lost a lot, or they'd be really good with the deck and would be X and one or higher. And it's just I ran into the one guy because it was nobody else. I looked around and it was just L's and just just those decks that I you know just get them out and, of here.
2: And that's how I felt about Dredge because that's an odd that's an odd deck to run into you know round seven in the four two bracket you know like especially at, at like there wasn't a, there wasn't like a lot of good Dredge players but that guy was pretty good with it and then you know who who honestly expected Pat Chapman a, a, a Pat Chapman you know brew list, so you
1: know well the Dredge player that you played Law he played a uh, Dacus. Oh, yeah, the Hypergenesis, mm-hmm. and he played him a couple of rounds before when I was playing against Dredge, So, yeah, he, I watched him, and he handled it pretty well. So,
2: yeah, Law, Law is—he uh, was a really good. Like he's a cool guy. Like I wish I wish we had more people like him around here. Like he was pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't even. I, I, uh, the first guy, the guy I played against round one, it was his his first extended tournament, and uh, so was he running the
2: mono white mirror deck.
0: No, no, that was the guy that was playing. Uh, he <laughs> was playing Hypergenesis, and like he just, he just killed me. He, he just played Hypergenesis. That's, yeah, that's I mean, he was just like Hellkite, Angel hell Angela, Despair, Progenitus, go, and I was like, cool, Aven, Mind Sensor.
2: Let's see if you're if you played playing <laughs> Ruben too, and you were Brian Kibler, you could have won that. <laughs> I, I know. I mean, so wrong deck choice. Wrong, wrong outfit, which, uh, we actually got some, uh, compliment. We got some
1: weird (laughs) things about our our outfits People kept asking me, and Eric, do you guys dress like this everywhere you go? Like, (laughs) like the tie. Because, because I was in a, uh, tie, a
2: sweater, uh, and slacks and dress shoes that day. Uh, So,
0: so typical Eric gear.
2: Well, the slacks, you know, I, 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 I've, I've switched to more of my designer jeans during my casual days, and, uh, my cowboy boots, but, uh. You know, if you'd like to see a pic of me or Tyler, you know, you can go to uh, our website. <laughs> 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 and,
0: oh, and that that pic uh, is very flattering of you guys because it's from the morning of uh, of St. Louis. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was real nice. It we was rough. Uh.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that that was a rough
2: day out in general. But uh. mm-hmm.
0: so I, I called it an early. I called it an early afternoon. Um and and, and head out before the top eight was finished, but uh it it came down the wire that uh that you had made a new friend, Tyler. While uh yeah, just again wanna give a shout out to uh,
1: Jonathan Medina from MTG Metagame. Hooked me up with uh, my fifth or sixth foil iron judgment. Uh but but yeah, it was funny because one of his friends that he came with was actually my first round opponent, so I mean we we chit chatted every now and then in between rounds. Uh, we did some trading afterwards. Like they, they were are really cool guys. Like I'd you know, I'd hope to see him again at the next PTQ.
0: Right. And then um he actually played one of our friends mm-hmm. in, in the first round and actually drew with him and uh he was playing the uh I don't have I, uh, I think Jonathan was playing Teachings, right? Yeah he was so playing Esper right? Teachings. Yeah, he was playing Esper Teachings and then our friend Ken was playing uh the the blue white ally deck Ghostway so like Ghost Way and, and whatnot and they actually drew in the first round and <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, w- I was, checking, checking my Twitter, trying to get Pro Tour updates, and I noticed that, that he, that, uh, Medina tweeted and was like, uh, I'm, I'm 101, I drew to allies, it extended. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it made me laugh, because I was like, oh, he drew to Ken, that's silly. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, he, and he came out on, on Twitter later and said that, you know he. He had met you guys, and
1: yeah, they're they're really cool guys. Yeah, sure. and we were nice guys. If so, I'm not mistaken, he topped in uh, Lexington a couple weeks ago playing.
0: Polymorph, he was uh, Polymorph, playing. Polymorph he was playing enough. the the Thopter, Thopter Morph. Yeah, yeah so, so he's yeah, and um, so yeah, and he, his his blogs are actually pretty well written too. I don't mm. know if you guys have uh, met him; really nice. And he also feature match
1: of the day at the PTQ definitely was when the Slivers player played uh played mono Light Amiria or something like that. He played it was hilarious. Like it was it was fantastic. I never expected to see slivers there.
0: I saw that guy sleeving up slivers when I was doing my deck list and I pointed it out to you guys and I don't think you believed me. <laughs> oh I saw a letter. <laughs> and was I great. it was like I was like oh, I sleeved up a violet sliver. What's he doing? It's a watcher sliver? What? <laughs> Here comes five man Maybe he was gonna breach Hulk for the
1: combo. <laughs> just just poison the Can you out on turn. Now. it'd be turn two because you'd have to go get like firewake sliver to give him haste and then uh, three virulient slivers but since breach is at the end of turn you have to wait until the next turn to do it or you could just go get four virulient slivers and two moth dust changelings <sighs> yes <laughs> <laughs> yes actually moth dust changeling <laughs> cool so now that we've broken extended uh. we're gonna poison you out on two guys watch it <laughs>
0: Uh so yeah, so anything else on the weekend? Uh anything we didn't cover? is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about? I'll take that as a no. There's a uh Man, huh? The Pro Tour player you just mentioned are you gonna mention that? Oh yeah, I guess we could. Um Yeah, I guess the one thing we forgot to cover earlier was uh longtime Pro Tour player, Peter and Magic Footnote. <laughs> Peter
1: Spaghetti, yeah, Spaghetti, Spaghetti, yeah. Sp- yeah. <laughs> meatballs. This what his name is, meatballs. All right, Sp- Peter
0: Spaghetti. Like, um, <laughs> he kind of got touted as a bad boy on the pro tour, and it was kind of the image that Wizards wanted to make him make him out to be. Uh, received a thirty-nine year ban earlier this week from from the DCI for. Uh, what, unsporting conduct and yeah, he shoved a guy yeah he like shoved a guy at Grand Prix Oakland and you know it was just the latest in a long line of you of you know, here bands yeah I've just no I've just you know terrible acts by this guy just him being stupid most notably ripping
1: the, the wind wiping it along his backside and slamming it on the table
0: yeah the searing blaze yeah. oh, look at it go. Yeah, so yeah, so he receives a 39-year ban. He's eligible. He's eligible to play again in in 2049. Um, we throw out a happy trails to to him.
1: We'll see him rolling up in like a wheelchair. I'm back, bitches. See
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you do a wheelchair down on somebody and somebody's rare. <laughs>
1: doing, like, a wheelie in his wheelchair.
0: Uh, he probably he probably owns the leather jacket
1: and new <laughs> rag. <laughs> Call <them> patches. <laughs>
0: uh, he's made more money on the tour than we have. Just a quick note. <laughs> just, just running some numbers here. Um... But,
1: doesn't matter if we're still eligible for the tour. <laughs> I, think,
0: I, I think you have more opportunity to catch up.
1: <laughs> Thirty-nine years, folks. Uh twenty forty nine.
0: Don't don't be that guy. <laughs> right. Don't be that guy. Period. In all seriousness. We we've covered it before and I, I won't start this forty minute rant again, but don't be that guy. That's who I'm talking about. Uh you guys got anything else?
2: Uh, congratulations to Brent for day twoing and the pro tour.
0: Yeah, uh, look player Brent Gregeth in day two. So went right.
2: four one in the standard rounds with the uh, Craig Westfield <coughs> mono white deck, who they uh, tested together, who they uh, you know got some uh, playing in together, and you know that's what he played and um, the the uh, X two and limited.
0: Yeah, he went to in the limited and then day day two wasn't wasn't as friendly to him as day one was. But
2: Very true. And uh
0: But still day day twoing on the Pro Tour is, is no small feat.
2: At it's all. it's pretty awesome and uh congratulations to him for that. That's that's an awesome accomplishment and uh wish him a you know, safe trip home.
0: Yeah, so um what else? Next week we've got the Star City Ten K in Richmond. Yes. So
2: some more standard action. I expect to see a lot of Naya. Uh, obviously, some more uh, Jen.
1: God, the deck! No, I won't win. I can't win because it's not a Pro Tour.
0: So only uh, only the pros can play that deck to uh, to victory. Apparently. <laughs> so hopefully, somebody doesn't prove us wrong on that point. Uh, good luck to everybody making the you know the trip out there this weekend and you know both standard and Legacy. So. Uh, well, of course, we'll we'll be back next week for coverage with it, and our big episode twenty. We may uh, try to arrange a special guest or something. She's going to be older than me. So, um, so what we got this week is is that really? The week uh, Friday
2: night we have standards. So if you guys are in the neighborhood, uh, come out Friday night for our uh, standard magic tournaments. Uh,
0: yeah, they start at six thirty. So, also
2: signups are at six, and then they end at six thirty.
0: Yeah, they end at six twenty-five. Six twenty-five. Six to six twenty-five is your sign-up window.
1: Leave uh, Leave any stray on his judgments on the counter. I will probably be here to pick him up on
0: Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if nobody else got anything, I guess we'll close it up here. We'll see you next week. We'll do better. Stay classy.
1: Ha, 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 ha!